0: fellow Southerners! How you doing on a Tuesday? Getting ready for three hours of conversation about what's going on in the South. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. You're going to learn so much. And you know what? This is going to cost you the grand total of 0.00. But let me tell you my one cent of advice. Don't turn the radio dial don't turn the podcast out. We're going to have a fun, fun journey here together. I'm General John Rawl and I am tickled to be joined here at the Dixie Cafe by all y'all. And here in this Tuesday edition, we got headlines, the latest on Tropical Storm Ida, the latest from Louisiana, the aftermath of this deadly storm. We've got sad stories out of Mississippi, which would Hit hard by Ida on Monday. I'll bring you the latest out of the Magnolia State as part of our news headlines. Sports headlines today Cam Newton is in the news. What's going on with the former Panther turned Patriot QB? Speaking of NFL, we've got other news and notes from the NFL as they're making their cuts. They got about oh, 12, 14 hours to go before they trim their rosters down to 53. And we'll give you all that's going on in the National Football League. College football kicks off big time. Over the next few days, we've got college football kicking off on Wednesday in Montgomery. The capital of the Confederacy, or at least the first capital, is hosting UAB and Jacksonville State. And that is going to be taking place. War Eagle? No, Jacksonville State's who I'm talking about. They're playing UAB. Who you got? Go, who's going to win that one? I don't. We're we're getting. We got a peanut gallery here at the Dixie Cafe. (laughs) She said, "War Eagle." War. Do you know who Auburn plays this week? Do you know who Auburn plays this week? Uh, Hey, she keeps up with it. I'm impressed. I am impressed. Yeah, she's got that Iron Bowl date circled here, I'm sure. All right, we're going to to talk a little college football on today's Y'all Show. And we also have coming up here on the Y'all Show plenty to say about the Oklahoma Sooners because the Sooners ranked number two, by the way, in college football. They are getting ready for their season to start, and they've had a bit of a change. And I'll let you know all about the Sooners' first game. They're having a scramble. In Norman, Oklahoma. They're having to run down to the hardware store and buy a bunch of white paint this week. I'll explain when we talk about Lincoln Riley Sooners. Today, we're in Norman as Oklahoma is our featured college as we're winding things down. We had Auburn the other day. I'm sorry, lady. We had Auburn last week. Today, it's Oklahoma. Wednesday, Mississippi State. Hell State. Thursday, Clemson Tigers, you know, Albert on a Lake. That's what it's called over there. And I know you'll love this one. We're going to wrap up our 44 city tour across the southeast on Friday. Take a wild guess where we're going to be on our last stop a place called Tuscaloosa. Roll tide, baby. That is going to be our final stop. We've been, we started off in Birmingham. No, yo, at UAB, that was our first school. And we've gone all over the south for the last seven weeks. And this is our final week. Getting you ready. And she gave me a thumbs down, by the way, when we talked about Tuscaloosa. Hey, Alabama fans, Auburn fans, I don't care who you are. You're welcome to join us here. Show your colors. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out here on Friday. let's have It's going to be college, college Colors Day across the country. Let's all gather for the Y'all Show Friday edition. In fact, we're going to have a very, very special day Friday. I don't know why I'm getting ahead of myself, but I will. Um... It's going to be the eve of college football really kicking off over the weekend. And on Friday in our first hour, we're changing throughout the next four months. The Y'all Show's first hour on Fridays is going to be the Y'all Kickoff Show. So we're going to walk through all of the big games. We'll hear some audio from coaches, some players thrown in there for good measure. And Friday is the debut of General Gridiron for the 2021 season. And if you don't know what General Gridiron is... It is a 13-minute report from some guy that sounds a lot like me. And he comes on, and he's going to give you a humorous take on the weekend's college football games. So, again, General Gridiron making his 2021 debut on Friday. Now, doesn't that sound exciting? And that's all going to be packaged into the first hour of what we call the Y'all Kickoff Show. And that also will be made available, that one hour, for other radio stations across the southeast. So even if you don't listen to the Y'all Show, you might be tuning in. Heck, you might be going to Jordan-Hare Stadium this weekend. You might be going to some other great college stadium across the south. And you might hear this show, the first hour Friday, the Y'all Kickoff Show, airing on some other station because we got it out there. So a lot of fun. What a great time. It is basically Christmas. Come First weekend in September when you've got college football back up and going. So we have that coming up here on Friday. Now back to what's going on today. See, we, get, we just get off track when we talk football, okay? Uh, coming up this hour of the Y'all Show, in addition to telling you about the Oklahoma Sooners, and we're going to hear from Lincoln Riley. He's going to talk about his backfield when we hear him later this hour. We also have, before the hour wraps up, a Southern political report. Not a whole lot going on. In the various states, now Virginia is getting ready to elect a new governor pretty soon. We may have an update on some polling out of Richmond, but we will bring you all that's going on. Of course, nationwide people weighing in on what's been going on with the surrender, if you will, of our troops, uh, of our our effort. I won't say our troops. Definitely the surrender of about mm, a billion plus, uh, maybe close to a trillion plus of equipment, for goodness sakes. We'll talk about all that as part of our Southern Political Report coming up, Hour 1. Hour 2, we got entertainment news to tell you about. And how about Ed Asner? Did you realize this late actor who just passed away, I did not know this until I was researching, because that's what we do here on the Y'all Show. We actually put effort into this show. Ed Asner technically was a Southern boy, born in Kansas City, Missouri. Did not know that until... Learning more about this star of the Mary Tyler Moore show and a guy with a little case of TDS. I'll explain that one in our headlines across the southeast. Also, there is somebody walking around the southeast right now that's a pretty popular fella because he is what we call a doppelganger. And this fella in Alabama is a doppelganger to The Rock. Dwayne Johnson has competition, and this competition is somewhere in the heart of Dixie. I'll explain as part of our entertainment report. Kid Rock in the news, he's had to cancel a couple of shows because some of his band members tested positive for COVID-19. We'll let you know all about that. Plus, sad news for Jason Aldean in the last couple of days his longtime bodyguard, a guy who probably saved his life the other year when they were in Vegas and that mass shooting happened, and his buddy from back in Georgia reached out, grabbed Jason, brought him into safety. Sadly, this longtime friend and security guard of Jason Aldean has died, and I'll tell you what I can pass along from the Aldean camp. Also, how about a cool deal for Kentucky's own Carly Pierce? She's honored her sister. She did it on stage. Her sister is about to go off and serve in the National Guard in this country music singer honoring her, her sis. I think it's a little little sister before she heads off to the National Guard, and she did that at a concert in Evansville, Indiana recently. So I'll let you know about all that. As part of our entertainment news coming up, that's an hour or two, though. Also in hour two, get your food fix. It's Matt Heerman's. He's our barbecue barrister. And I guess it's because tailgating really gets fired up for the first time really in two years this weekend when college football and its wonderful fans return in a way that we were used to prior to COVID-19. Or as my 11-year-old calls it, not the China virus. He calls it the Xi virus. And hopefully y'all know what he's talking about when he calls it the Xi virus, because that's the president of China. <laughs> and he came up with that all himself. So I'm, I'm kind of proud of him for knowing who our world leaders are, the Xi virus. But because of that, we've got people tailgating big time or making their plans. And I don't know why this got on the top of my tongue or or the bottom of my tongue, wherever it was, maybe the top of my head, but... Pimento cheese just kind of struck me. So Matt hereman's our barbecue barrister, who is a pimento cheese connoisseur, he's going to be on in hour two, and he's going to talk about pimento cheese, a specific pimento cheese sandwich recipe that's up at y'all.com, and we're going to have some fun talking pimento cheese with the barbecue barrister, hour number two, plus we got an update on Y'all.com headed your way. All that plus hour three today, Melissa Rhodes dropping by with a southern accent on the arts and entertainment of the 16 southern states. Now, that's that's what we're laying out here for you. That's what we promise that we're going to have for you over these next three hours. Tell me where else you can go and find that kind of fun and education And just down home, oh, comfort. I mean, we're comfort here at the Y'all Show. Hopefully we're comforting you. You know what? You can comfort me. I don't need a big hug right now because I don't think hugs are being given out all these days because of the she-virus. But you can comfort me with a little text. Our number, 803-816-1170. Put it in your phone, save it, 803-816-1170. We'll be happy to take it. We also have at y'all a website called you Who would have thunk it? Y-A-L-L.com. Go there. Make sure you bookmark you Make sure that you go to Facebook and search for you on Facebook. And I always mess this up. I'm just not enough of a Facebook junkie. To figure out what you're supposed to do. We have a y'all.com page. And when you go there. And I'm going there in real time. You go to Facebook. You search for the page. Y'all.com is actually what it's called. Y-A-L-L.com. And when you go there. You have the choice to follow. I think it's what it's called. See I'm already liking it or following it. So it doesn't quite show up. But. Whatever that darn option is, you just like it, follow it, subscribe, whatever. It's free. I know that. And then each time we put up a post and we talk about something going on across the South, you'll get it automatically on your newsfeed. And that's what we're asking of you. See, we don't ask a whole lot here, but we are asking you to join the Y'all Army. And let's march on to greatness. All right, let's get into some of the news headlines here in this first hour of our conversation about the south and our first story of course today starting off with the headlines of the south is more coverage on hurricane turn tropical storm ida now i haven't been able to tune in the weather channel over the last 24 hours but from what i'm understanding yes i know this packed a heavy punch in south louisiana when it came ashore with 150 mile per hour winds so we certainly understand the damage there and feel for those who were hit with this punch this week from Ida. Now, the thing came ashore. Good news, as far as I could tell. I'm not Jim Cantore, but as far as I could tell, this thing did move on from the coast pretty quickly. It didn't stall right there on the Louisiana Gulf Coast. And because of that, it got on up into the north shore. It got into south Mississippi where it did cause problems. And I'm going to tell you about some of those problems here on the Y'all Show, including some deaths. And that's unfortunate, or unfortunate news to have to pass along here on today's Y'all Show. But yes, the hurricane moving now today well into East Tennessee, middle and East Tennessee. It did cause a fair amount of rainfall in portions of West Tennessee today. But what we're finding out Although the good news is, is as of now, just less than five deaths that I'm aware of. But what it is causing is a lot of discomfort with electricity not being available, no water, no gasoline, long lines going around gas stations in Louisiana. I don't know how you get gas at a gas station when there's no electricity. Perhaps somebody's brought out some generators and more. Officials in the Big Easy announced seven places around New Orleans where people could get a meal and sit in air conditioning. I wonder if one of those is the Caesars Superdome. That's where people went back in 2005 and kind of messed up the place. More than a million homes and businesses in both Louisiana and Mississippi, including all of the city of New Orleans, left without power when this thing passed through on Monday. And part of the reason for that major transmission towers knocked out thousands when those went out knocked out thousands of miles of lines and hundreds of substations across both Louisiana and South Mississippi there's about 25,000 utility workers working right now to restore power in the Gulf South and I gotta tell you we don't give these people enough credit if you've ever been in an area where are hurricanes coming? And I've been in an area, I've survived hurricanes that had been Cat 4 hurricanes. When you're leaving, going one way, you see mile after mile of all these electrical workers coming in from all over the country, and they usually park about two hours inland, wait for the thing to pass through, then they go in and do their work. And I saw the coverage on, I guess it was Sunday afternoon, where at the Mall of Louisiana in Baton Rouge, all of those electrical workers at least were gathering there in that big giant parking lot, waiting out the the initial surge of this storm, and then they went into work and, and did their very dangerous, dangerous work. Now, I will be able to tell you, we do have an update on the death toll. At least four people in Louisiana and Mississippi have died Two people died in Mississippi. Now, this is a real tragedy. In Loosdale, that's George County. That's just to the north of Pascagoula on that southeastern corner of the Louisiana, or rather Mississippi Gulf Coast, near right next to the Alabama state line. Two people killed and at least 10 other people injured when vehicles started plunging one after another into this giant hole caused by the rain and Hurricane Ida coming through that portion of the state of Mississippi. And this happened on a Mississippi highway there, a well-traveled Mississippi highway, Highway 26 west of Loosedale. And I think that is a road that ultimately connects Biloxi up to Highway 45 around State Line, Mississippi, south of Meridian south of Waynesboro, Mississippi, if I am correct on that. It's it's a I've been down it in the last couple of years. It's a pretty stretch of road. But for whatever reason, a big giant hole opened up on Monday night and it has caused at least two people to go into this I think it was a twenty foot deep hole that opened up on this Mississippi Highway, Highway number twenty six in Luzdale Mississippi, And so they're going out now trying to fix it. A 42-year-old man from Loosdale, Jerry Lee, pronounced dead after this wreck. Also, a George County High School, a student from there was hospitalized. No update on the condition. But at least one, if not two, local people among the victims of this whole opening up in Mississippi caused by Ida passing through that portion of South Mississippi. Now to an update on how people across the South are helping out. A hotel group in Austin, Texas, is offering 100 free rooms to Hurricane Ida evacuees. All rooms, all 100 rooms the at, at the six locations of this hotel group have been filled, and that's good news to know. But how about Burke House Hotels? offering this very extremely nice gesture to evacuees to come into the capital of Texas. And there you could stay at the Hotel Havana. That was one of the places, actually, and that's in San Antonio. And then they've got another one called Stagecoach Inn in Salado. That was also part of this group. And then there are six locations around Austin filled up, but giving 100 rooms to evacuees a A fantastic, fantastic southern option and a great southern offer from the group called Bunkhouse Hotels. And that's the group that own these hotels, giving these evacuees a place to go for the time being. Here's a great story out of the NFL. How about former LSU running back Leonard Fournette, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer running back, Super Bowl champ? contributing $100,000 to help New Orleans recover from Hurricane Ida. And, of course, he survived Katrina at one point. Leonard Fournette, commonly called Playoff Lenny, or Lombardi Lenny now, giving money to his hometown. And now people can start calling him Philanthropist Lenny because of what he's done, as he has put out a social media post and more to let people know As he put it, quote, it's time to step up. The New Orleans community is being hit hard by Hurricane Ida and in need of the world's support. I am supporting the following organizations in its relief efforts to provide my beloved city and its families, children, and individuals with basic necessities. And he linked on to the group that includes the Cajun Navy Relief and Rescue, Second Harvest Food Bank, All Hands and Hearts, the St. Bernard Project, and Direct Relief Some of the charities that NFL star and former Bayou Bengal running back Leonard Fournette helping out his community with a kind gesture of giving $100,000. Congratulations. And just for that, Leonard Fournette, we'll just say uh, go Bucks. That would be Tampa Bay, his current employer. And why not? We'll just go ahead and say it. Go Tigers! The Y'all Show continues after this break. We've got an update on some Southern sports news. Hey, speaking of the Auburn Tigers, Cam Newton in the news today. What's going on with QB1 of the NFL's Patriots, or is he still there? I'll tell you. All that is ahead on Y'all. Plus, don't forget, we got more on the Oklahoma Sooners coming up later this hour. Stay tuned. <laughs>
1: Taking a trip out to L.A., tooling along in my Chevrolet, toking on the number and digging on the radio. Just as I crossed the Mississippi line,
2: I heard that highway start to whine, and I knew that left rear tire was about to go. Well, the spare was flat, and I got uptight,
1: cause there wasn't a filling station in sight, so I just limped on down the shoulder on the rim. I went as far as I could and went to stop the car.
0: It was right in front of this little bar, kind of a redneck-looking joint called the Dew Drop-In. Hmm, don't know if I made it to the Dew Drop-In yet. Hey, we're back on Talk with an Accent on all things Southern. Going to put on our Southern Sports cap for just a few minutes. Bring you the latest news and notes of the world of sports, specifically the world of sports in the southeast and according to reports it looks like cam newton's time has come to an end in foxborough the patriots cutting the heisman trophy winner from the auburn tigers and it looks like oh that hated rival of auburn alabama's former quarterback mac jones is going to be the starting quarterback on day one what a tremendous draft choice if indeed mac jones On day one, is the starting quarterback for a Bill Belichick-coached New England Patriots team. Hmm. It is a big, bold move to get rid of a guy with so much experience that Cam Newton has. And look, Cam Newton was lucky to even get on the Patriots last year. He was a wounded duck going into Foxborough based on the fact he'd had some real health problems playing for the Panthers. And they had to make a decision at the start of the tw- or in the off season between nineteen and twenty of whether they're going to keep him. They chose essentially to say goodbye to Cam in Charlotte. So Cam ultimately goes on to New England in a very very minimal risk deal for the Patriots. I thought it turned out as about as good as it could have last year for both the Patriots and Cam Newton. We know that was a rebuilding year for New England football. They didn't have QB 12, and it really made a heck of a difference when you don't have Tom Brady on your roster. But they did have Cam Newton, and I thought when Cam Newton played really well, this team won some ball games. and when he wasn't quite on his game, he threw some silly interceptions. They lost, and they didn't make the playoffs last year. The question is, where was this franchise going? It looks like they're okay letting – Newton a former NFL MVP walk away where does Cam Newton go next according to reports coach Belichick has said repeatedly that Newton was the team's starting quarterback but that he had to reestablish that position or someone else would have to play better than him to get it and it appears Mac Jones the rookie has won Bill Belichick's heart even Tom Brady as you well know did not start right out of the gate in his rookie year. He only got on the field due to injury. And he took the best opportunity from that injury and, looking back, never gave the reins back, at least not not under his own terms, at least, Tom Brady. But it looks like because they've released, or in the process of releasing Cam Newton, who was a captain of this New England Patriots team, by the way, it will give Mac Jones a chance to become more of a leader within this football club, and they're probably going to save some money. The backups, it looks like, for the Patriots now will be Brian Hoyer. And also, speaking of Auburn, former Tiger and former Baylor quarterback Jarrett Stidham, still part of the Patriots, although right now physically unable to perform as a possible option later in the season Stidham could come back the fold I think this would be Stidham's third year with the Patriot organization if he's still back with them after all of this is said and done so right now a fun social media post coming from at rich simony the ages of each of the AFC East starting quarterbacks the oldest quarterback in this bunch of four teams is the Bills' Josh Allen. He is 25 years old. The second oldest quarterback from the AFC East is Tua Tagovailoa. Tua is 23 years young. And then you got a pair of 22-year-olds who are now starting quarterbacks in this AFC East, Zach Wilson, of the New York Jets, and now Mac Jones of the New England Patriots. Four quarterbacks all, not even really a quarter century of life lived for each one of them. Definitely different when the guy that was just in that division for so long was over 40 years old at the time. More quarterback news here to tell you about. Dallas Cowboys have released Garrett Gilbert, a quarterback they had. And it looks like Cooper Rush will be Dak Prescott's backup QB in Big D. Garrett Gilbert released. He started three of the four preseason games for the Cowboys as the Cowboys got to their 53-player roster limit today. And Cooper Rush returns to the spot he held during the 2017 to 2019 seasons. Cooper, I'm sorry I did not say you rush to the field very much when you were there and Dak Prescott's earliest days of being an NFL quarterback. This is a big, big void, in my opinion, especially with Dak Prescott having his own injury problems. Hey, Cam Newton, if you're listening, you probably need to be calling up the Dallas Cowboys and see if they can't find a way to squeeze you in on their roster because with Prescott certainly having some health question marks. Entering the season and the best they've got is Cooper Rush as a backup. Cam Newton, you need to be changing from Foxborough to Frisco real, real soon. Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, says that it is a realistic, realistic thing that the Saints will not be hosting their week one game next weekend at Caesar Superdome because of Hurricane Ida and the power outage across Louisiana right now. It looks like there's a very, very realistic chance the Saints are going to have to go on the road week one. Perhaps play like they did after Katrina, a so-called home game, as they did that year at the Giants Stadium in the Meadowlands. They're... Currently scheduled to play the Green Bay Packers week one on September 12th is the date of that game. And they could play that game in Dallas where they're currently practicing or they could find another place to host it if Caesars Superdome in New Orleans is not quite available. But right now, the Saints certainly having to look at a plan B option perhaps because we just know that. Good news is, I'm not sitting here today telling you about dozens and dozens of people who died as a result of Hurricane Ida, but it's causing problems. And the floodwaters, we hope, will go away that are currently there as fast as possible. And they can get some of these lines restored and make uh, life a little bit more back to normal across Louisiana, Mississippi, and other places affected by this storm this week. But right now, the Saints having to come up with a plan B for sure because it doesn't look too promising if they're already admitting it. And that's exactly what Coach payton has done this week by saying that it is definitely feasible and as he he called it, realistic. The Saints aren't gonna be able to have that week one game against Green Bay and the friendly confines and the first actual game played at what's called now Caesars Superdome. Y'all will talk with an accent on the south is taking a quick break but we're going to be right back taking you to Norman and it's Boomer Sooner Talk as we feature Oklahoma. That's up next.
1: The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather, Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's
0: Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. I think he just said Labor Day weekend, and you know what? That's like three, four days away from going, and you know what? Tomorrow's September 1st. Good golly, we've already got through the month of August. Oh, the rent checks due in just a couple of hours, but some of you might be getting a paycheck in a couple of hours, so that's always good. Hey, we are on this 44-city tour. We're winding it down this week. And right now, the winding road has wound its way to Norman as the Oklahoma Sooners are today's featured school. I'm going to tell you about the 2021 schedule for Lincoln Riley's team. We'll hear from the head coach of OU. Enjoy a little boomer sooner, y'all. Oh, isn't that the end of that song kind of neat how the band does that little dun da dum Yeah, it's good stuff here. And I'll tell you more about Boomer sooner as we go through today's Y'all show and discuss the traditions and more of the University of Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. Getting this team to the playoffs a couple of times, but for whatever reason, it's like they get there and then they just kind of go away. Yes, four years. Lincoln Riley has served as coach of Oklahoma and each of his 4 years they've essentially knocked on the double digit number for amount of wins. Only last year did they not get to double digits because that was a coronavirus crazy year. 9 and 2 was their record, but they have gone to new year 6 bowls each of Lincoln Riley's 4 years that he's had under his belt the tremendous coach who, of course, played as a college quarterback himself at Texas Tech. More on Lincoln Riley in a second. We're going to hear from the very, very poised coach. Let me tell you who and a little bit of the breaking news on Oklahoma's football schedule. So this weekend, OU was to begin their season on the road at Yuleman Stadium on the campus of Tulane University because of Hurricane Ida, and I hate it for Tulane, But because of Ida, this game has now been moved to Norman. And it's going to be a home game for the number two team in the country, Oklahoma. This game will kick off at 12 Eastern, 11 Central on ABC. The Green Wave and the Sooners kicking off the 2021 schedule for Oklahoma football. The following week, the Catamounts come in from Cullowee. It's Western Carolina going in to Norman, for a Saturday night September 11th skirmish in the sooner state Nebraska and Oklahoma man it's just like the big 8 is back and these two teams get together in Norman on September 18th that's going to be a lot of fun a lot of tradition between these two teams that really don't play very much anymore NU and OU on 18 September The Sooners begin their Big 12 play in what could be, it could be their final year in the Big 12 here. It's the Sooners at home against West Virginia on September 25th. They're on the road at K-State, October 2nd. Then the Red River shootout right there at the fairgrounds in Dallas on October 9th. It's Oklahoma and their hated rival and their SEC defector, Texas. Texas and OU on that second Saturday in October. TCU comes into Norman on October 16th. The Sooners pack up their bags and head to Mighty Lawrence. It's Kansas and Oklahoma on October 23rd. They'll be in Norman to take on Lincoln Riley's alma mater, Texas Tech the opponent, on Halloween weekend. The Sooners go down to the Brazos as Waco's Baylor University is the home school hosting Oklahoma on the 13th of November. Norman is where you'll find Iowa State, the runner-up to Oklahoma last year in the Big 12. The Cyclones spin their way down to Norman for a game on on November 20th. And then Bedlam is in Stillwater this year, OU and Oklahoma State on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. The pundits, what are they saying about Oklahoma football for 2021? They're saying a lot. Remember, they got one of the best quarterbacks in college football under center this year, a guy who's had plenty of experience this couple of last years, even in a COVID year, and that's Mr. Rattler. And Mr. Rattler is going to rattle a lot of cages as he tries to make one last big statement, and he hopes to maybe follow the path that the Patrick Mahomes of the world have gone down from the Big 12. And he's got a chance leading this number two team to the mountaintop. They start off in a very, very good position this year at number two. And the pundits, again, saying very good things about Lincoln Riley's entire ball club. But right now, just looking at the offense along, you'd have to think that the Sooners have so much to go for with Spencer Spencer Rattler there quarterback in this team, and he's got some outstanding help on offense. Adrian Ely is an offensive tackle for him, and he's going to do a great, great job. Also, how about a transfer in from the Tennessee Vols on this Oklahoma football team? Eric Gray. And he's going to be playing for OU this year. And also, they've got other really good – I mean, the backfield stack, oh, let's sweet. just let's just tell it like it is. This Lincoln Riley team, he knows how to recruit. And he's done a good job of recruiting these graduate-type players or these COVID players, everybody getting their super additional year added that they can play college football. And he's done a fantastic job of recruiting people with a lot of experience, some even from the SEC. Then Oklahoma's on defense – They've got a lot going there on that side of the ball, and they got people like Alex Grinch doing quite well. A lot of the pundits expect Oklahoma to go through the 2021 schedule without too much difficulty. Remember even their toughest games like Texas. Texas is under a rebuild this year, and Nebraska is completely... The, the the wheels off their Boomer Sooner wagon have gone completely off. I know Iowa State's been a pesky team, but that game's in Norman this year. I don't see too much. I mean, K-State, that could be a bit of a challenge. This, this ought to be a pretty good year for Oklahoma football. That's what this expert is predicting, and I'm no expert. I just tell it like it is out there. Lincoln Riley, again. The very talented, the very rich Lincoln Riley. The 37-year-old coach of the Sooners, he pulls down $11 million annual. That's his salary coaching the University of Oklahoma. And along the way, I didn't mention this, he has been the coach for four years. He has won the Big 12 all four years that he's been coaching after taking over for Coach Stoops, who retired before the 2017 year. Already Lincoln Riley has won the Broyles Award and he won the Big 12 Coach of the Year award at least once. So he's he's just he's just dang good. And this is a football program that's been dang good throughout its whole history. We'll tell you more about OU's football history in a sec. Right now, let's go in and hear from Lincoln Riley talking about his football team and in this clip he's going to kind of echo what I was just saying about Oklahoma's offense. And Coach Riley is gonna be talking about his running backs and his great quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Up first, this clip includes him talking about running backs, Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks, two of the powerhouses in the OU backfield for 2021.
2: It's having that, not only two good players, but the experience, you know, both those guys have played a lot of ball, big in, been in big atmospheres big games and so you can you can certainly tell and then obviously with some of the attrition that we've had in that room it's made it not that we could have predicted it but it's made it even you know even more important and probably made those guys even more valuable so uh i think they're feeding off each other you know for them uh they've obviously both played a lot of ball but at the same time there's a good healthy competition going on back there um and, and both of those guys, there's still some newness to this situation. Obviously Eric being here and, uh, for the first time and then Kennedy having, having, uh, sat out last year. So, uh, they, they've done well, you know, with our numbers. We've tried to do a good job of trying to find that balance between getting them enough reps to be ready and also, you know, being smart with the, with not having, you know, just a million running backs on our roster right now. And, uh, but I think they've handled it well. Oh, you know, he's, I mean he, he understands our system a lot better uh, I think he's able to self-correct a lot quicker typically even if there's a mistake he he has a pretty good idea right away of, of what it was um, he's certainly been more consistent and more trusting of his his decisions his reads uh, you know and I think with that allows you to feel out and play some of the game situations a little bit better you know a lot of times that first year you're so locked in on the scheme stuff that you combine that with all of a sudden throw it in the middle of a two minute drill or this scenario or that scenario and can you can you process all that you know now he's he's got a good feel of our schemes He's still got to be committed and focused and he still has moments where he drifts away and that's the majority of the time and he's had a fantastic camp but that's a, some of the majority of times when he's not at his best um, but with all that being said. As your control and confidence in a system grows, you can feel those situations more, and I think he's been a much better situational quarterback. All
0: right, that was the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, Lincoln Riley, talking about some of those key players on offense as number two Oklahoma gets ready to start its season. The opponent, the Tulane Green Wave, this weekend. That game set for a eleven o'clock Norman time start. A game originally supposed to be played in New Orleans on the Tulane campus. Now has been moved to Norman. And I just saw the tweet a couple of hours ago of them painting the field, getting it ready for this first game of the year. And I kind of teased earlier. I don't know if they were gonna be ready for this thing. You know, we usually you got your grounds crew planning out a college football team's future. They have all the 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 things they need to make a college football playing surface pretty and everything has to be properly spruced up and more. This game just kind of got thrown together in the last couple of days, and this is a natural turf field there at OU. Kudos. It looks really good. Makes me want to go out there and toss the ball around for a little bit. I think it'll be looking very, very spectacular come high noon Eastern on Saturday when Tulane and Oklahoma get together. Remember the OU, their first Big 12 game is going to be at home against West Virginia, September 25th. About Oklahoma football history, a very proud history Oklahoma has, the various Heisman Trophy winners, the various national championships. Oklahoma claims officially seven national titles, Nineteen fifty. 1955, 1956, 1974, 1975, 1985, and Coach Stoops, I think it was his first year, in 2000. Those are the official national titles claimed by the Oklahoma Sooners football program. And if you know anything about that, so many of those titles came back with Bud Wilkinson and the Incredible winning streaks that Oklahoma enjoyed. How about Barry Switzer? Before he was a Dallas Cowboys coach, he won back-to-back national titles for Oklahoma in the mid-1970s. Even won another one back in 85 when they went down to the Orange Bowl and defeated Penn State 25-10. And then Coach Stoops getting that big Orange Bowl win over Florida State in the era of the, was it the BCS? and they won that one 13-2 over FSU and Bobby Bowden and got a big national title to start the new millennium. And then the many, many, many conference championships that the Sooners have enjoyed through the years, going back to the Big 8 days, then the Big 12 days. They last were not conference champions. 2014, as Coach Stoops is... 2015 and 2016 teams both won the Big 12 title. And then Lincoln Riley, as mentioned, has won every year he's been the head coach. 2014, that was uh, barely into Barack Obama's second term as president. The last time another team claimed the Big 12, I guess that would have been Texas. I, I, I reckon it's been so long, I've even forgotten. But the many great players who played at Texas through the decades, so many, so many Heisman winners, so many good, good players. Jason White, don't want to forget about him. How about Adrian Peterson was an Oklahoma Sooner. How about the current coach of the Tennessee Vols, Josh Heupel? He was part of that 2000 national championship team. Baker Mayfield, remember in the last couple years you had – Several Oklahoma guys win back-to-back national uh, Heisman trophies. I mean, it's almost unheard of the players that have come out of this program. Just, and you can look at it the, the quarterback position. You can look at it in terms of running backs. Oklahoma has had seven players win the Heisman Trophy. Six more finished runner up. Here are Oklahoma's Heisman Trophy-winning quarterbacks or players. Period. Started back in '52 with Billy Vessels. '1969, Steve Owens, a running back for them, won the Heisman. How about Billy Sims, winning it in '78, nearly won it in '79. Jason White, 2003. Sam Bradford, 2008 Heisman Trophy winner. Then you had this incredible run of quarterbacks here lately. Baker Mayfield winning it in 2017. Kyler Murray winning it in 2018. And Jalen Hurts had a great year, but he did not win the Heisman. But the transfer from Alabama had a fantastic year in 2019. All part of the incredible tradition of Oklahoma Sooners football. I'm going to tell you more about OU as a university in hour number three. We're going to walk through the great alumni, not just athletes, but some of the business leaders and politicians who've come out of Norman. That's part of our great feature of Oklahoma's being the latest stop on our tour across the South today, getting you ready for the start of college football this weekend. I'll also tell you about the traditions of OU from the Boomer Sooner chant to the Sooner Scooter to what's called the seed (laughs) sower, the songs at OU and more. We're going to have a lot of fun. Hour three If you're a Sooner fan, ooh, you're going to enjoy all of that fun. But that's coming up, hour number three. We will take a quick break on Talk with an Accent on the South. When we come back, we will take you to the world of Southern politics and give you a quick report on that front, that little battle that goes on across the South and the country. And that will wrap up this first hour of the show that's all about the South. Stay tuned. Hey, and uh, boomer sooner to you. Show Sound. Kicking it back here on a Tuesday. I'm John Rawl. This is y'all. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with us here. Marty Raven would sure love to hear from me, Lead singer of that band there, Shan Andoa. We're going to wrap up y'all here for this first hour with some political news going on across the southeast. Did you hear that President Trump's getting back on a plane and heading somewhere. He's going to Iowa. Politico's got the story. The former president plans to hold a rally in Iowa as he continues to tease a third run for the White House. Run, Donald, run. Go for it. Why not? Until they get you. And they're going to come after you. And they may never get you, but they're going to sure try. The president plans to hold a rally in this first-of-the-nation caucus state. As he teases about a third run, he, he says he's already made up his mind. Now, the details for his Iowa trip still being worked out, but it comes on the heels of visits to the state by other Republicans. I think Nikki Haley was just in Iowa. I think Mike Pompeo also in Iowa recently. And a lot of Republicans had there to kind of test the waters, if you will, including Christy Noam, governor of South Dakota. How about... Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, all at least have a 1% chance of running for president. But Donald Trump, if he wants to run again, and if his opponents can't find a way to stop him, I would put money on him running to Iowa and maybe doing a little better this time than he did last time. Remember, it was that Iowa caucus of 2016 that was where he backed out of it or something like that. And maybe he got kicked out of it. And they went and had kind of a alternate, not necessarily debate, but a Donald Trump showcase, if you will, somewhere in a little theater in Des Moines. And I remember that's where Mike Huckabee essentially threw up his white flag and joined Trump there for that. And at least one other... 2016 candidate did the same. Stephen Breyer, U.S. Supreme Court Justice, says he's still thinking about retiring. He's told the New York Times, I don't think I'm going to stay there till I die. Hope not. And if he indeed decides to step away from the bench, that's going to be a plus for the current Democratic leadership to try to replace him with a- another I won't call you. A, call it a Democrat. But certainly, a l- more liberal-leaning justice. But again, Breyer still remains undecided about his future on the highest court in the country. Now, in an interview published Friday, the 83-year-old talked about this. He's the oldest member sitting on the court right now, and still teasing it, teasing it. Now he's nowhere close to maybe being quite as old as Ruth Ginsburg was before she passed away. Just it's amazing how that's been coming up on about a year when she died. Of course she had so many health problems, but gosh, some thought she was immortal, but she died right before. Well, I guess it really got cranked up heavy. The 2020 election and Trump, rush through Amy Barrett's nomination to become the latest member of the high court, much to the anger of Democrats and liberals. But when you are in politics and you are fighting, you do everything you can to get your side of victory without having to go to jail. And they pulled, they pulled it off. I don't think that was as dirty a trick what the Republicans did in 2020 as what they did in 2016 when they refused to let Merrick Garland be put on the high bench and they came up with some excuse at that time and hey they got away with it so it wasn't illegal but Mitch McConnell in his cunning and Trump would say unsmiling way found a way to push that one back to letting the new president choose and that's exactly what Trump did as soon as he got in office and chose a guy called Neil Gorsuch, but Trump called him Neil Gorsuchus when he was having his press conference that time at the White House when he was nominated. Okay, that is a quick but very unflattering look at some of the political items. Not a whole lot going on, frankly. Remember, most of Congress, they're back in their home areas right now if they're not going to places like Iowa campaigning and not officially campaigning because nobody's officially announced They're running for president for 2024. It's a little bit of a slow period heading into Labor Day, but that is some of the political stories of the day, and we're glad to pass that along as part of our Southern political report to conclude hour number one. Y'all is still got lots to talk about. Hour two and hour three are just around the corner. Hang on. We've got to look at some entertainment news to launch hour two. News from both. The left coast and music city usv a salute to ed asner coming up as part of our entertainment news that plus we'll also have some barbecue talk stay tuned continuing on with southern greatness We are the greatest show that covers the South, We're y'all, I think we're the only show, and I don't want to see any imposters out there, y'all is three hours daily, a show about Dixie. We got you covered, whether you're on the white-sanded beaches of Northwest Florida, if you're climbing a high mountain peak somewhere in Southwestern Virginia, if you're hanging out in the bluegrass of Kentucky, Or, you're cutting roses somewhere in the Rose Capital of Texas, Tyler, Texas. Oh, we got you covered right here on y'all. And it is a great honor to serve as your host. My name is John Rawl. Thank you so much. Our telephone number, if you want to text us, we're sitting here manning the text lines 24-7 at y'all. 803-816-1170. That's how you can get us anytime you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, well, don't text us. I do have one favor. If you're going to text us, if you're going to call us at that same number, 803-816-1170, unless you're just really mad at me, don't call unless you've got a good attitude. I want to hear some positivity coming through on that text line. But if you're really mad, I I guess we'll take those two because we try to be an open door here at the Y'all Show, broadcasting from the Dixie Café. They got some turnip greens, and you know what? They got got greens on both audio channels. They got turnips over here in the left ear, and over on the right ear, they got you some collard greens. And over here on the tables at the Dixie Cafe, they got you some of that good vinegar, pepper, some Tabasco. Well, they got Louisiana. I'm a Tabasco guy, but they got Louisiana hot sauce here if you want to put that on your greens. Oh, this is just the, the food and the conversation is just A+. Plus. And that's what we try to do here at the Y'all Show, especially on a Tuesday, which is the time that you're taking out of your very busy day to join us here. And our email address, if you're just a little bit bashful and you just can't pick up that phone and, and, and call us or text us, you can... Email us. It's M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. And again, our website, y'all.com, it is officially, I can officially, officially tell you this about the official website of the South. It's y'all.com. So check it out. Okay, coming up, hour number two today, we got you some entertainment headlines queued up and coming at you in a second. Also, our barbecue bar- barrister is Matt Heerman's. And today, we're going to have Matt scoot over a little bit from his normal lane of talking cue. He's going to be talking food. It's not like we're going to have him break down, I guess, modern political uh, thoughts and going on. No, it's still in his wheelhouse talking food. But today, he's got pimento cheese sandwiches to break down with us, and for some of you It may not get any better than a pimento cheese sandwich. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Also, a quick update on some of the big sports news of the day. Big news in the NFL. We'll share that with you. Plus, we got some big news coming out of Columbia, South Carolina. Coach Beamer has made a decision on who his starting quarterback is going to be. And this whippersnapper that's going to be taking over the Gamecocks ain't exactly a whippersnapper. I'll explain. part of our southern sports update before the hour is up as we've been telling you about we're powered here by y'all.com i'm gonna give you an update on some great stories being posted as we speak let your fingers do the walking and head on over to your laptop or your smartphone and pull up yal com. and i'll tell you here just because i'm a friend i'm a very good friend i'll tell you what's up at y'all.com just bear with me here all that's coming up in hour. Number two, thank you again for tuning in the fun. We start off this hour of conversation about the South with an entertainment blast. And I did not realize this. I try to be up on all things Southern. I did not realize that this veteran actor that's just passed away, Eddie Asner, a.k.a. Ed Asner, was born in Uh, I know it won't win the award of being the most Southern place in the world, but technically it's, it's in the South. Kansas City, Missouri is the birth city of Ed Asner. Born there November 15th of 1929. We lost Ed Asner on August 29th here. The veteran actor and former president of the Screen Actors Guild, who played Lou Grant back on the Mary Tyler Moore Show days and its spinoff of Lou Grant. Passed away, he was 91 years old. Born in Kansas City, grew up in Kansas City. His parents were immigrant Jewish parents, Ashkenazi Jewish parents from Russia and ended up being raised in an Orthodox Jewish family in that area of Missouri. After high school in Kansas City, he went on to the University of Chicago, where he studied journalism and ultimately got involved in acting and was part of a great southerner's TV show. We don't often think of Mary Tyler Moore, but she was a Virginian and a great southern lady, actually proud of her southern heritage. She actually funded a museum near her ancestral home in Virginia, a home that was her great, maybe her great-grandfather, who was a Confederate officer, Mary Tyler Moore. Pretty cool, pretty cool. In fact, her paternal great-grandfather, Lieutenant Colonel Lewis Tillman Moore owned the house, which is now the Stonewall Jackson Headquarters Museum, in Winchester, Virginia. And I know Mary Tyler Moore, I think, put money toward that museum before she passed away. She died just a couple of years ago, 2017, Mary Tyler Moore. But again, her show featured Ed Asner. That's where many of you got to know him. You got to know people like Ted Knight, Valerie Harper, also Gavin McLeod. We just lost him recently too. I think Gavin McCloud, also known for his work on the Love Boat. In fact, when the news came out in May that Gavin McLeod passed away, it was Ed Asner. I heard heard about this. Put out a social media post to his friend who had just passed away's social media account, saying "See you soon." And here we are, just what three months later, Ed Asner did indeed fulfill that desire to get back with his old friend and Mary Tyler Moore. Somewhere up in heaven, they're having a great time. But Ed Asner dying this week at the age of 91. Now, I told you earlier in the show that Ed Asner certainly had a touch of the TDS, Trump Derangement Syndrome. Here in his golden years, he and then-President Trump really went after it. Remember, the Screen Actors Guild actually kicked Donald Trump out of the Screen Actors Guild earlier this year. So, in the headlines for things beyond his acting career and his final year of living. Ed Asner, again, dying at age 91. Let's take you to the heart of Dixie for this next story. And right around Decatur, Alabama... You'll find somebody that looks pretty familiar. And this person is a member of the Morgan County, Alabama Sheriff's Office. It's Patrol Lieutenant Eric Fields. Eric Fields, you got one heck of a future ahead of you, sir, because not only evidently is he a great sheriff's official there in Morgan County, Alabama, if it doesn't work out for you there, the law enforcement career, Mr. Fields. You can go into acting because a post put out by the Morgan County Sheriff's Office. Essentially, if you put it up, the post next to a guy named Dwayne Johnson, you couldn't tell the difference. These two look identical. The Rock. Maybe that really is The Rock. Patrolling the streets of Morgan County on the south bank of the Tennessee River there in North Alabama. Patrol Lieutenant Eric Fields, he looks just like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Facebook post put out by the Sheriff's Office led to a TikTok video that currently has had over 1.6 million views. According to Lieutenant Fields, he said, I've been called The Rock and Vin Diesel's love child. I go along with it. It's humorous. It's flattering. It could be worse, people, I guess. Yeah, it could be. And I think most everybody. I think The Rock is one of those few people that he's kind of like Dolly Parton. I mean, how could you not like him? Even if you haven't liked certain movies that he's been in, he's had some good commercials. And he seems like a nice guy. I know he played for Miami, the Hurricanes. And that's a reason maybe to not like him, but he's kind of gone beyond that to have a successful adult life and stay out of jail, unlike some of the former Miami Hurricanes of yesteryear. All right, go down into uh, Decatur, across Hartzell and Moore, and, and you'll see the Rock doppelganger on patrol. Kid Rock has had to cancel a couple of shows after a couple of his band members have tested positive for covid-19 Kid Rock got out on Twitter this week to explain about the cancellations and he in his own very sophisticated style said I am P I double S something something over half of the band was F word covid and before uh you blank for brains bloggers and media trolls run your mouths many of them like me have been vaccinated <laughs> sorry having to clean this one up on the fly here he said i was gonna come and rock the house anyway play acoustic dj or even just juggle and then he put something really childish there or at least try to entertain you good folks but seriously s word is way out of my hands on this one i am beyond upset And you real ones know I would never cancel if I absolutely didn't have to. For this, I am sorry. I don't have the exact... Okay, he was supposed to play in Fort Worth this past Friday and Saturday night. But an outbreak in the band for a kid rock... Luckily, I haven't heard of too many of these outbreaks within the bands and so many of these musicians who've just been really sucker-punched over the last 18 months and not having a chance to... Go out and make money with the profession that they excel in. They finally start getting a chance here this year. And you hope they don't have these continuous outbreaks of COVID-19 to pull them away from the stage. Country music singer Jason Aldean mourning the loss of his friend and security guard Ryan Fleming. Now, it was Fleming back at the Route 91 Festival in 2017 that literally pulled Jason Aldean off the stage and kept him, perhaps, from being killed when that terrible shooting happened in Las Vegas in 2017. This guy was a Georgia boy, just like Jason Aldean. They were buddies, and now, at 44, Fleming has died. And Jason Aldean out here talking about his buddies, saying that he put his life in danger to take care of me and my crew at that Route 91 festival in October of 2017. Aldine adds that he was a good man and an even better friend. I don't have a cause of death, but I do know before going on the road with Jason Aldine, Fleming served as a deputy sheriff in the Macon, Georgia area at the Bibb County Sheriff's Office. So a tough loss there for the Jason Aldine family, friends, and certainly the fans who probably are well aware of the important role Ryan Fleming had in Jason Aldean's life. Lastly, a feel-good story to wrap up our entertainment news of the day. Carly Pierce, the Grand Ole Opry singer, recently inducted into the Opry as we close out the month of August. At the start of this month, that is when the Kentucky native was inducted into the Mother Church of Country Music. The unbelievably beautiful 29-year-old singer was just joined on stage in Evansville, Indiana, by her sister, And she honored her sister before Sis goes off to serve in the National Guard. Pretty, pretty cool story. And Carly Pierce putting out an Instagram post about her sister saying, Last night was such a special night for my family, I surprised my sister by bringing her up on stage. She heads to Kuwait this weekend to serve as a captain in the National Guard. What a beautiful moment it was for someone I admire and love so much. We also gave a moment of silence for the devastating loss of our country experienced this past week and cheered for all of the men and women who've served that were in the crowd. Christy, the singer's sister's name. Christy, thank you for your service. I love you and I'll miss you, but I am so darn proud of you. And that was put out on social media. So if her sister's a captain, then she's been in the national guard for a while it's just i guess she hasn't gone to a place like kuwait and that's where she is heading wish her well captain and i don't know if she's got the same last name as carly that would be pierce but uh we salute you and how cool is that carly pierce honoring her sis by having her come up on stage and be recognized over the weekend in evansville indiana you know just for that carly We're big fans of you here at the Y'all Show. We're really big fans of you here at the the Y'all Show. Uh, You just can't go to break without playing a little Carly Pierce music. And this is the song that she's recently had out called Next Girl. What a way to wrap up our entertainment news here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Stay tuned. When we return, we will kick it over to some food talk thanks to our barbecue barrister. next
3: girl, you don't know me. I'm just the one He says went crazy on him That's just what he does But once upon a time I was the next girl I've been where you're at You overlook a lot When he looks like that i charm your mama With that smile Hide the red flags for a little while I bet you probably met him at a bar Let him walk into you your car I bet he said he never Falls this hard, yeah, I remember that part He knows how to say all the right things Knows how to get you out of that dress Knows how to make you think you're the best thing But I know what happens next, girl
2: Firing up his Coleman grill
3: We got 24 tall boys on the chill Yeah, 14 of them's mine A little Marshall Tucker On the radio You know it just Catch a little groove Before the show We ain't playing nothing slow At the parking lot party A tailgate buzz Just a sippin' on suds Ain't yeah.
0: The party the parking lot party oh i bet you some of you are going to be having a little parking lot party maybe as early as a couple of hours from now as uab and jacksonville state are a wednesday night college football game oh we got even more games taking place thursday across college football including the number 22 ranked coastal carolina chanticleers suiting up inside Brook Stadium in Conway, South Carolina, and trucking up from Charleston. Coming up, U.S. 17 for that Thursday night game with a top 25 program is America's Military College. The Citadel Bulldogs are going to be playing Coastal Carolina on that Thursday night. You also have at least one other top 25 team in action Thursday. How about Friday UNC, Virginia Tech, Friday and then Saturday, my goodness, Alabama, Miami, Clemson, Georgia. Got some big 10, top 20 teams going off against each other. Going to be great. And if you're looking for more than just football, tailgating gives you that great, great opportunity to fill up the tummy with great food. And in the South. We go to our barbecue barrister here on the Y'all Show to do all of the food filling up. Matt Herman's is our guy. And Matt Herman's loves to talk grilling. He loves to talk about barbecue. But you know what? I know enough about this fella to know that he's a sucker for pimento cheese. And so as we hit Labor Day weekend... And we've got food on our mind and football and and, and just so much more. How cool would it be if you could just stuff into the cooler a delicious pimento cheese sandwich? Well, guess what? We here at the Y'all Show and y'all.com, we've got up right now an awesome pimento cheese sandwich. Just go and search pimento cheese sandwich and you'll see the recipe. It's so easy, it's so fun. And we're going to break it down what's exactly in that pimento cheese sandwich recipe with the aforementioned Dr. Herman's welcoming him into the Y'all Show. And if you don't mind, let's go through what exactly is in the ingredient list for said pimento cheese sandwich. Three cups of shredded white cheddar cheese. White cheddar cheese, are you okay with that?
1: I'm okay with that, I love white cheddar.
0: okay, So in addition to three cups of shredded white cheddar cheese, two cups of shredded yellow sharp cheddar cheese. What is okay. the biggest difference between a white cheddar and a yellow sharp cheddar?
1: The white cheddar is really sharp too. Usually uh, a white cheddar is is extra extra sharp. Typically you're talking about a um, a, a very sharp white cheddar cheese Vermont white cheddar. There's no such thing as a white cheddar cheese it's not really, really sharp, which, of course, means it's kind of got that sour kind of kick that gets you kind of in the back of the, the mouth right here when you eat it. So, look the white cheddar is really, really sharp, even sharper than uh, sharp yellow.
0: Okay. All right, so you, we now know our two different cheeses. Matt Herman's, we're not done with the cheese talk from you. Included also in this pimento cheese recipe for the Masters, four ounces of crumbled, what what cheese would you guess here? Oof,
1: crumbled, huh?
0: Jack cheese? Not blue cheese.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, I did
0: not expect that. That came out of the Okay, well, the Masters has a way of doing that. So you got white cheddar, yellow sharp cheese, and now crumbled blue cheese, four ounces of that you also aren't done of course if you're going to have a pimento cheese sandwich you need to have pimentos right and this ingredient for the recipe here is a four ounce jar just one four ounce jar i assume that's how they come in the grocery store a four ounce jar of sliced pimentos then drained are you okay with that yeah you gotta drain
1: them Uh, i mean the things are full of water so um Last thing you want is a liquidy, uh, you know, cheese. We've kind of talked about the liquid stuff you get at the store. You don't want any part of that. So I think it very smart move by the folks in Augusta.
0: Okay. And then another ingredient, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. They don't list this particular brand, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. A part of this recipe for your Pimento Cheese you Sandwich him- from the Masters is a cup of light mayo now let me throw in here and this is a big problem right now with the coronavirus i'm getting reports from throughout the south that we're running low on duke's mayonnaise so something tells me that the augusta national folks likely use duke's mayonnaise in their mayo for these pimento cheese sandwiches would you agree with that
1: i've got a have uh, got a court there if Duke's in my fridge right now. So i say that's a pretty good guess, although there's probably some Blue Plate folks out there kind of uh, getting fired up about that
0: Well, keep in mind, Duke's Mayonnaise Heritage is just across that Savannah River over in South Carolina, and Blue Plate wasn't around back when the Masters got going in the 1930s from a guy named Bobby Jones, so chances are it's Duke's Mayonnaise, although that's not listed here in the official ingredients. And then, of course, if you're going to have a sandwich, Matt Ehrman's you need to also have a little mustard on there. They've got two tablespoons of Dijon mustard as part mm-hmm. of the mix. Does that surprise you? It's Dijon. It
1: does, yeah. I've mustard, um, mustard's a little bit of a surprise. But that's,
0: oh, uh, you think mustard period's a surprise?
1: Uh, cheese sandwich, I would yep. say. That's a lot of the ordinary.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we're trying to brighten up your life here, give you something to look forward to. So you've got your, your Dijon mustard. And that's a weird word for me to look at because the first two letters of the word Dijon are D-I and then my name. So it's almost like Dijon. And uh, okay, I get it. All right. And then lastly, the last ingredient, if you're going to have a sandwich here or some of us in the South say a sandwich, you need some bread. And they recommend as part of the Masters a loaf of white bread. Probably don't want to go around and asking for like whole wheat bread when you're dealing with a Masters pimento cheese sandwich
1: i'm saying very very strong agree with the white
0: bread (laughs) (laughs) and then you you mix it all together and you put it into a bowl mix it up and you don't use a blender are you surprised by that recommendation
1: Can't use a blender yeah that'll that'll that'll, you want the chunks yeah you got to have those threads
0: yeah And another thing about a pimento cheese sandwich, it does take a few hours. It's not like you can go in there and whip it up real quick and instantly eat it. you got to let it be refrigerated. you got to cover it up, put it in the fridge for about six to eight hours, and then add your pimentos after you do all that, mix it in. Then you can enjoy it. And something tells me, if you're at the Masters, chances are that's not going to be an extremely cold pimento cheese sandwich. So... Or is the perfect pimento cheese sandwich something that's actually been sitting out just a little bit more where it's room temperature?
1: I like it close to room temperature. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a cold pimento cheese sandwich. I don't think
0: you want it too warm, but okay. uh, I would kind of lean towards closer to
1: room temperature. It's about perfect.
0: Okay. And since it is something, again, served in this case at the Masters where it's outdoors, with all these cheeses, is that something you need to be real sensitive about, about keeping it out in the heat too much where it might cause you to have? let's say, problems down the road?
1: Well, um, you might, I mean, more than the cheese, I think maybe the, the mayo. But uh, if it's chilled, you're not going to have a problem. I mean, unless it's out there 24 hours or something. Okay.
0: Something tells me they're not going to last that
1: long for a dollar.
0: Well, good news for me, and, and again, one of the ingredients in this thing is mayonnaise. And the other day, I don't know what I was doing because of this darn virus. I was stuck here at the house trying to come up with some interesting things to eat. And I had pulled out my mayonnaise, and I left it out for about four hours. I totally forgot that it was there. And then I stuck it back in the refrigerator. I didn't get sick. Am I okay with leaving mayonnaise out for about four hours?
1: i got to be honest with you. I've been experiment- experimenting with that uh, not on purpose for years. <laughs> I, think, I, think I think four hours is, uh, I've gone longer than that. So I think you're, I think you're okay. You're all right.
0: I don't want to get sick with the coronavirus, but the last thing I want to do is have to go to the hospital and possibly uh, check out because I ate awful mayonnaise caused by me being forgetful and leaving it out. Let's hope that doesn't happen to me. And obviously, if you say it's happened to you before, you're still going, blowing and going too, right? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Well, we're happy about that. Again, you can go to the website, y'all.com, and they've got all this broken out for you to make your life a lot easier. And we appreciate Matt Hermans. Thank you for coming on today's y'all show. More of the show about the South is coming up. we got a quick look at some Southern sports news. Ooh, some news out of Gamecock country. Stay tuned. All right, kind of winding down hour two of today's y'all show. Let's start off a little southern sports news with some golf talk. Dustin Johnson is your defending FedEx Cup champion, and he's just kind of made it into the field for the 2021. Competition being held this weekend at East Lake Golf Club. Bobby Jones' old stomping grounds in Atlanta. The tour championship starts. Thursday and runs through Sunday. The winner gets, I think, a $10 million check for winning the Tour Championship. Let me tell you who is in the field. First of all, Patrick Cantlay enters in the Catbird seat after his big win in the Baltimore area at the BMW Championship this weekend as he bested in a six-hole, I think it ended up being six-hole playoff, with... Mr. Payne Stewart-influenced attire, if you will. Bryson DeChambeau, that was a great thing. Bryson whiffed. Bryson had at least three, maybe four chances to walk away the winner, and he couldn't get it done. And in the end, the California native Patrick Cantlay got the win last weekend in Maryland. You're 30 golfers wind their way to Atlanta this week for this opportunity to win the tour championship. And they include, we've been spotlighting the Oklahoma Sooners today. How about Sooner alum, Abraham answer, the South Texan slash Mexican golfer, Abraham answer has made the cut. So has former Florida state Seminole golfer, Daniel Berger. How about former LSU Tiger golfer, Sam Burns. He's out of Shreveport. Patrick Cantley. we just mentioned him. How about Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket great, Stuart Sink, in the field at the Tour Championship. Corey Connors, I believe he is from Canada. Bryson DeChambeau, former SMU Mustang golfer. How about former Baylor School Chattanooga turned Georgia Bulldog golfer, Harris English, a two-time winner on the PGA Tour this year. Tony Finau has made the cut to Atlanta. So has Sergio Garcia. Former Florida Gator Billy Horschel is in the field. Former Oklahoma State golfer Victor Hoblin in the field. Soon J M is in there. Former Coastal Carolina Chanticleer Dustin Johnson and defending champion in the field. Former FSU Seminole and a teammate of Daniel Berger in Tallahassee. Brooks Kepka is in the 30 man field Jason Kokrak is in the field as well Jason I do believe has ties to the state of Texas and I do believe no I may be wrong on that where did he play? Oh he went and played pretty close to the south. He could look right over the river and see it. He's a musketeer. He played his collegiate golf at Xavier University in Cincinnati. Adeki Matsuyama, the Masters champion, is in the field. So is Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, California Kid. He's in it. So is California Kid Kevin Na, Joaquin Neiman, He's in the field. So is Louis Oosthuizen of South Africa, Spaniard, and former ASU Sun Devil John Rahm is in the 30-man field. How about Augusta State College? Now Augusta University. In Augusta, Georgia, alumnus Patrick Reed helped them to win a national championship when he was a collegiate golfer, Augusta State. Xander Shoffley is in the final 30-man field. Scotty Scheffler, former Texas Longhorn golfer, is in there. Cameron Smith, the Aussies in the field. So is former Horn golfer Jordan Spieth. And lastly, winding up the field, South African Eric Van Ruyen and former Crimson Tide golfer and Kentucky native, Justin Thomas. That's your field of 30 golfers all in Atlanta this week competing for the Tour Championship and the winner walks away with a cool I think it's $10 million. How would you like to win $10 million for playing golf? (laughs) Uh, Not a bad career if you're able to pull it off. Unfortunately, most of us we just can't quite pull it off. Actually According to one story, USA Today, the chase for golf's $15 million bonus ends at the Tour Championship. Maybe, maybe it's up to 15 Still pretty good pay, don't you think? I don't know about Cam Newton's future, but the former Carolina Panther turned NFL quarterback for the New England Patriots, Cam Newton, news out today from Foxborough. It appears the Patriots have cut Cam Newton And they're going to go with Mac Jones to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady in New England. A rather stunning move to go after a totally unproven guy in Mac Jones. Now, unproven at the NFL level. Unproven at the actual game level. No offense to Mac Jones. I think he was number 15 overall when he was selected by the Pats in the 2021 NFL draft. But... This guy hasn't seen live bullets on a Sunday afternoon in a game that matters yet. And Bill Belichick, who generally knows what he's doing, now packing up Cam Newton's things and shipping them somewhere else. It's Mac Jones's New England Patriots going forward. That's the story, the big story out of the NFL today. Also, it appears the Dallas Cowboys have released a backup quarterback for them garrett gilbert cooper rush is the boys backup up to dak prescott as we've told you i think cam newton's agent might need to be showing up in frisco and telling jerry jones you know my guy over here won an nfl mvp a couple of years ago and i'm not trying to say he needs to be the starting quarterback but i think he's a little bit better than cooper rush New Orleans Saints, it appears they are preparing to have their first game of the season, what was supposed to be a home game at Caesars Superdome. That game likely going to be moved, nothing official, but with all of the problems in New Orleans and Louisiana as a result of Hurricane, the hurricane that has come through in the last couple of days, Ida, they're looking at contingency plans for that September 12th game against the Green Bay Packers, it might get played in Dallas. It could still be played in New Orleans. Maybe that would be a perfect way to help New Orleans wipe away this bad and turn it into something good. The South Carolina Gamecocks are trying to take away the bad and make something good with their quarterback position. Shane Beamer is in his first year leading the Fighting Roosters of the SEC. And this is... Again, a future 30-for-30 possibly being made in real life in Columbia, South Carolina. Zeb Nolan has been tabbed to be the Gamecocks' starting quarterback Saturday when they face off against the Panthers of Eastern Illinois. Now, the reason this is quite a story, Zeb Nolan is a native of the Athens, Georgia area. When he was a little bitty boy, And he decided to go off and play college football. The big school just down the road didn't offer him a chance to play. So Zeb Nolan went off to the hinterlands of college football. He went to Ames, Iowa. And he played for the Cyclones a couple of years ago. Things, for whatever reason, didn't quite work out for him in Ames. And just like so many players these days, Zeb Nolan transferred and he transferred into an even more hinterlands spot in college football he went to fargo north dakota which in some cases is a prime destination for college football because no other town in college football has had more national championships than fargo and its local college the north dakota state bison the problem for zeb nolan was there was a guy, when he showed up there, named Trey Lance. And Nolan had to be the backup QB for Mr. Lance. Mr. Lance got picked to go in this year's NFL draft, number two overall to the San Francisco 49ers. Hmm. So how does Zeb Nolan go from there to ultimately getting the South Carolina Gamecocks starting quarterback role? coronavirus, for one, North Dakota State, along with all other FCS teams across the country, were given the chance to play a spring schedule. Zeb Nolan, with Trey Lance's moving on to the NFL, had a chance to go be North Dakota State's starting quarterback this spring and help lead them to another national championship. And he almost did it. And it was in Frisco, Texas, where the FCS National Championship game was held in April. North Dakota State lost a heartbreaking game and that one to Sam Houston State. Zeb Nolan cut off his tape. Tears gathered in his eyes. His college playing days were over. He had to grow up. He had to get a job. Except, as I said... Coronavirus changes a lot of things. But he had to get a job. He would already had a degree. So he makes a call to a friend of a friend. And he gets on the staff of Shane Beamer, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, who's in his first year guiding this SEC East program. He makes the journey to Columbia. He is a graduate assistant. He's going to be helping out with the quarterbacks. He's going to be helping out with the offense. This guy is extremely smart. He knows offense. His daddy was a high school coach in Georgia. So he enters the Gamecocks football program back in July as a graduate assistant. That's pretty common for all college teams to have graduate assistants hanging out. But one little problem with Zeb Nolan and the offensive coordinator, I think his name is Marcus Satterfield. I think that he, he's in his first year with the offensive. I know his first name is Marcus. He knew that Zeb Nolan, because of all the coronavirus craziness, technically still had one year of eligibility left to play college football, even though Zeb Nolan is, a, is basically an old man. Zeb Nolan, I'm still trying to get an actual age on him. He's I'm I'm gonna say he's around 22, 23 years old, because he's already transferred once in his college football career. Yeah, I, I don't have an actual date. Son of Travis and Julie Nolan, his daddy played quarterback for the Appalachian State Mountaineers. And he graduated from North Dakota State back in December of 2019, got a degree in, ooh, this was a Ivy League degree here, university studies. So he's somewhere in his mid mid to lower 20s. He's a graduate assistant for Shane Beamer. Everything's going fine in the back of, His mind in the back of the offense coordinator, okay, this guy's still got a year of eligibility, but yeah, he's moving on. He's getting his life together. Probably going to start having about 20 babies any day now. Well, unfortunately for the Gamecocks, when they started fall camp, pretty early on in the camp, Luke Doty, the projected starting QB for the Garnet and Black, went down with an injury. And when that happened, The Gamecocks were left with only three quarterbacks on the roster, and most college football programs have five, six, seven QBs listed. They had to do something, and that's when light bulb goes off. Zeb Nolan, his dad, and this offensive coordinator came up with the plan, we're going to stop being a graduate assistant and go back to being a college football player, and that's what's happened, and guess what? Today, today, it was announced that Zeb Nolan, the Georgia kid, who already has a degree from North Dakota State, he's from Watkinsville, right beside Athens. That's his hometown. This graduate assistant turned player is going to be USC, the one in Columbia's starting quarterback when they suit up Saturday against Eastern Illinois. And one reason I'm sure Beamer's going with This guy is because of the experience. He, according to Beamer, lit up Oklahoma a few years ago in a game played at Ames, a game Oklahoma ultimately won, but Zeb Nolan looked like a first-round draft pick, according to some. And now, I love his first name, Zeb. Zeb (laughs) gets to be the starting QB. In the SEC, when he suits up for the South Carolina Gamecocks, this weekend congratulations that's a pretty neat story to see a fellow who thought his career was over with get that one last chance because his last game as he's talked about he was crying cutting his tape off his team had just blown it and a opportunity to win a national championship and who knows he just might lead the South Carolina Gamecocks to its first national title this year how about that, Gamecock fans? This is Y'all Talk with an Accent on all things Southern. We're going to take a break. Come back. Wrap up this Y'all Show second hour with a look at what's up on the pages of the homepage of the South, y'all.com. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget. Text us, questions, comments, more, 803-816-1170. Hang on, you guys. all right wrapping up hour two quick look at what is on the homepage of the south that it would be y'all.com tricks of the trade john allen jimmy duke they just talked about shag carpet memories and troubles with the heat and air conditioning all that plus why in the world is there a shortage of nails across the country that's on tricks of the trade you can watch that at y'all.com right this very moment plus A fantastic article posted up there that is worth the read, especially if you're considering going back to college. We have an article penned by Kevin Gardner, five of the top colleges in the South. I'm going to give you two of them. Take a guess. Two of the top five colleges in the South, according to Mr. Gardner, College of William and Mary, and the University of Texas at Austin. You'll have to go to y'all.com and find out who the other three schools are. That, plus so much more, is found right now on the homepage of the South. It is y'all.com. Y'all.com delivers this, the y'all show. We've got hour three headed your way right after this timeout. back into the Dixie Cafe for the final hour appreciate y'all joining us here I'm John Rawl and we're going to have a good closing out of this final roughly 60 minutes we get to spend together ain't ain't this fun (laughs) I mean come on what else could you be doing right now but sitting by a nice fire somewhere kick back with a big cup of coffee or your favorite other beverage and learning about what's going on in the southeast here today it's my privilege to be with you i'm your friend i'm your moderator i'm your liaison of southernness. and here we go with our three coming up today we've got here in this final hour a look at what's going on in terms of the news of the south still some big stories going on that we did not have a chance to cover quite yet and we'll do Just that, including the governor of Virginia this week has granted posthumous pardons to a couple of black men executed back in 1951 for rape. I'll give you that story out of Richmond here in a second. Plus, sad news from Opelika, Alabama. Mrs. Story's Dairy Bar has served its last milkshake. That's nothing to say War Eagle about right there in Opelika, Although I've been told there's a lot of Crimson Tide fans that live in Opelika, Alabama. We're going to tell you about that. How about this story out of Oklahoma Christian University? They're banning the use of Yik Yak. That's an app. I've never heard of it. They're banning it. there in the Sooner State. Also out of Texas. Texas Medical Center has launched the world's largest life science campus in Houston. Big news coming from that city. Big news today. Not necessarily in the year 2021, but y'all remember the year 1886? It was 1886 that in Charleston, South Carolina, the most powerful and damaging earthquake to ever hit the east coast of the entire country happened. And it happened on this day in 1886. 60 deaths and about $6 million in damage happened in the Holy City when that awful earthquake happened. You don't often think of the East Coast as a place where earthquakes can happen. We know about the West Coast. We know about the New Madrid Fault right along the Mississippi River and the Mid-South portion of this part of the world. But Charleston, with that dubious distinction of being home of the 1886 earthquake, I'll tell you a little bit about that as we go through the headlines here in a second. Also, more on the Oklahoma Sooners. That is our stop today. I guess it would be stop number 40? No, 41. I didn't learn math before doing this show. Stop number 41 on our 44-city stop plan. 41 is Norman, Oklahoma today. 42 on Wednesday will be Stark, Vegas Going to learn about Mississippi State on Wednesday. Thursday, will be in Tigertown. That's Clemson, South Carolina. Your number three team in all of college football. We'll learn about Dabo Swinney's program Thursday. And then on Friday, our last stop, the defending national champion. And what are they up to? 18-time national champion, I think. Alabama Crimson Tide. will wrap up our 44-city tour on Friday it's also the day we're going to be launching our first y'all kickoff show that will include the general of college football prognostication general gridiron makes his 2021 debut friday in our first hour all right here on the y'all show can you feel it in your bones in your soul i can hopefully you can too All that is coming up here. Oklahoma today, we'll tell you here in this final hour, all about OU's traditions, famous alumni, more about the university itself located in Norman. Melissa Rhodes, she's standing by. She's going to file a Southern accent on arts and entertainment before we get out of here today. Let's look at headlines as we start off hour three. And as mentioned today, we have a story to tell you out of Richmond, Virginia. Governor Ralph Northam has granted a posthumous pardon to seven black men who were executed back in 1951 for the rape of a white woman. And in that time period, a case that attracted pleas for mercy from uh, around the whole world and in recent years has been denounced as an example of racial disparity in the use of the death penalty. Northam announced the pardons after meeting with about a dozen descendants of the men and their advocates. And again, the Martinsville Seven, as the men would become known, all convicted of raping 32-year-old Ruby Stroud Floyd, a white woman who had gone to a predominantly black neighborhood in Martinsville in 1949 to collect money for clothes that she had sold. And these men, four of them electrocuted in 1951. And then a couple of days later, the other three were electrocuted. Seven people electrocuted for the rape of a 33-year-old woman back in 1951. All of them were tried by all-white juries. It was the largest group of people executed for a single victim crime in the state of Virginia's history. And this week, Ralph Northam, who will be leaving office in a couple of months, has granted a posthumous pardon to all seven of the Martinsville Seven. To Memphis... And a woman was admitted to a Memphis hospital room earlier this week after her family had waited 50 hours. Five zero. They had waited 50 hours for her treatment. Now, hospitals everywhere, it seems, have been warning that long wait times can happen, saying they simply don't have the staff to sustain added patient load right now. But they also, they're saying a large part of this is because of the COVID-19 surge, and this family from Memphis say they want others to be aware if they have to make a trip to the emergency room to know what they've just gone through. Liza Lofton and other relatives have alternated shifts while waiting for their sister, who is asked to be remain anonymous, waited 50 hours to be able to actually get in and see a doctor at a Memphis area hospital. Hmm. And I know this is pretty commonplace. That's one reason I'm bringing this up. Just, I don't know if there's a way to call before you go, find out how bad it is at your local hospital, but uh, it is it is not a good thing right now. And I know there's shortages of people working in the hospital. I had a family member who was supposed to go, who, he's currently in a Rehab-type place for a horrible thing that's happened to him. And he's supposed to go see a doctor the other day. He gets ready, which was a big, big challenge because he's in a rehab place. Gets ready to go. The nurses all have him ready to go. And the ambulance never shows up to take him to a doctor's appointment because they didn't have an ambulance driver. That's pretty commonplace, I think, going on across the country and the world at the current time. Bad news for all you in the loveliest village on the plains and around East Alabama. Opelika, Alabama's Mrs. Story's Dairy Bar is closing. That's a place locals went for milkshakes and the footlong chili dogs. And after nearly 70 years in business, Mrs. Story's Dairy Bar is shutting down. Rhonda Booth is the owner, and the restaurant's had trouble finding workers during the coronavirus, and they've decided to just close it all down. The Dairy Bar located at 1900 Pepperill Parkway started out in 1952 as a Dairy Delight franchise and then became Mrs. Story's back in the early 1960s. And Rhonda is the great-granddaughter of founders Dan and Annie Story. In all these years of being in business, it took the coronavirus slash people not showing up to work to shut the doors of this Alabama Food Treasure in Opelika, Alabama. Do you know, y'all, that Tate Reeves, governor of the state of Mississippi, knows Christians more than just about any of you? Did you realize that? Well, it sounds like it. As the governor this week, Tate Reeves said that he stands by remarks made at a political fundraising event that he had last week, a event held where he said, quote, uh, let me get the original quote. He said a lot. Uh, here's basically what he said. Tate Reeves believes Christians are, quote, a little less scared of COVID-19 because of their belief in eternal life. Again, Christianity spokesperson Tate Reeves. As Reeves said in response to a question from an AP reporter at a news conference Monday, Tate Reeves said, in our state and in our nation right now, there are certainly necessary precautions that we can take with respect to COVID, but I believe very strongly in my faith. I believe very strongly in what the Bible says, and the Bible is very clear that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that is my worldview, it's how I believe, it's what drives me every single day, and I think it's what drives a large number of Mississippians. We should take necessary precautions with respect to COVID, but we also understand that we do have everlasting life if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in God the Father, and certainly, I certainly do, as he said. Mississippi right now has the highest per capita rate of new coronavirus cases and deaths in the entire country. Mississippi followed by Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Louisiana. We're being just sucker punch right now in the southeast. And Tate Reeves out talking about this stuff. Now, he's up for re-election in 2023. And at this... He actually said what he said in Eads, Tennessee this week. He was out of state when he made that comment. He was at a fundraising event in this community east of Memphis, and his original quote was, I'm often asked by some of my friends on the other side of the aisle about COVID, and why does it seem like folks in Mississippi and maybe in the Mid-South are a little less scared, shall we say? When you believe in eternal life, when you believe that living on this earth is but a blip on the screen, then you don't have to be so scared of things. Hmm. All right. By the way, that event, we're asked to donate. People there attending donate to the Tate for Governor committee. $500 a couple. And this was in Tennessee where they had the event. (laughs) Okay. I guess they got more money to give to Mississippi governors. In places like Eads, Tennessee, Oklahoma Christian University has banned the use of the app Yik Yak. Yik Yak making a comeback, but it's also well known for cyberbullying. And now, OCU, Oklahoma Christian University, banning the app from its Wi Fi. College officials said students will not be able to access it from the campus Wi Fi, but money are still able to get on it. I don't know what Yik Yak is. Let me see if I can't give you a better profile, according to the App Store, of what the heck Yik Yak is. Hmm. Yik Yak is a social media smartphone application launched in 2013. It's on iOS and allows people to create and view discussion threads within a five-mile radius. So if I'm not right there on the Oklahoma Christian University campus... Likely not going to see whatever people are talking about. Hey, what are y'all talking about there on Yik Yak? Don't know because OCU, Oklahoma Christian University, says you're out of here, Yik Yak. All right. Here's a story that affects the entire South or at least a lot of people in the southern states. We're about to have an increase in food stamp benefits. Joe Biden's administration has pushed this. What does this mean, this increase? Families who receive food stamps will see the largest benefits increase in history starting in one month on October 1st. All this following the administration's updates to SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. The USDA last week released a re-evaluation of the Thrifty Food Plan, and that's used to calculate SNAP benefits. Its new calculations mean that the average SNAP benefit will increase by $36.24 per person per month starting October 1st. The revision will bring $343 million more into just Alabama alone, likely going to be more in some of our other states. So the Biden administration going full forward uh, on SNAP benefits... And uh, what we call food stamps. Still wonder why they give these things out on a, on a debit card. They're called food stamps. Make them use stamps. I, I still remember the days where I'd go into Piggly Wiggly and they'd have the old S&W green, green back stamps. I love those things. I miss those things. Out of Houston, Texas, Texas Medical Center has launched the world's largest life science campus there In Space City. It's going to be a 37-acre life science campus designed to unite the top minds in medicine and commercialization. Texas Medical Center 3. It's going to be called TMC 3. Not TMZ, TMC. And it will allow a collaboration between hospitals, universities, and business construction. And it's going on right now. It's got a $1.8 billion donation going toward it, or money going toward it. And it is going to be taking, again, as part of this creation of TMC3, approximately 6 million square feet of anticipated development is expected. The infrastructure will support, again, this mix of healthcare, life science, and business users right there in Houston, Texas. That's a big, big deal for a city already booming with the MD Anderson Center and over in Galveston they've got the University of Texas medical effort going on there and now this 37-acre life science campus, the Texas Medical Center, going into construction phase in Houston, Texas. Today marks the anniversary of the Charleston earthquake. It was on this day August 31st 1886 that this big time earthquake happened at 9:50 at night. Scientists have classified it as an intraplate earthquake said it had an estimated magnitude of around 7.3 The reason this Charleston earthquake of 1886 is even something worth remembering is this was the largest and most damaging earthquake to ever hit the entire east coast of the United States. And the shock waves felt all the way from Boston to Milwaukee to New Orleans, even in Bermuda, people felt the effects of this Charleston earthquake in 1886. 60 deaths attributed to this thing, and around $6 million in damage. And this is back in 1886. Things have certainly gone up since way back then. But, uh, yeah, all the way. If you ever have been a tourist in Charleston, you've heard about this awful earthquake that happened 135 years ago today. And one of the neat things that came out of it was after this thing was so devastating and this city that just 20 years prior had gone through the Civil War and had the Swamp Angel, the Yankee Cannon, just pound Charleston for a couple of years and devastate so many of the homes and kill people. One of the results of this awful earthquake was you started seeing what's called earthquake bolts being built in homes in the Charleston area. And if you go there today you'll see these little black crosses. And they're not religious signs, they were put there to help reinforce the buildings of the holy city of Charleston, South Carolina. Pretty smart thing. And all these years later, most of those very beautiful and historic houses still stand because, for one, I guess these earthquake bolts were put into the houses. But secondly, for those of you who love Charleston, South Carolina, and I certainly love it, one of the greatest if not the greatest fairly big historic city we got in this entire country lucky to have spent several years as a young man there it uh, these earthquake bolts have certainly played a role in preserving this very historic I call Charleston the most historic city in America if you look at all the different things it's been a part of sounds crazy but if you think about it I think it is. But I think Charleston's also benefited that despite this being such a terrible earthquake 135 years ago, to my knowledge, there has not been another earthquake of any magnitude close to this 7.3 quake of 1886 in the entire Charleston and or Lowcountry area. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for that. All right, that wraps up our look at news here earthquakes and more we cover it all here on the y'all show when we come back we're going to talk about what's rattling in norman oklahoma it's the fans and they're rattling for great success they want another national championships it's been more than 20 years since ou hoisted a trophy and i'll talk about oklahoma's great university the university of oklahoma And we'll discuss some famous alumni and tell you about the traditions on a game day in Norman. That's up next here on The Y'all Show.
1: The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's
0: great Southern College Football Showcase. And today we are in Norman. We're talking about Boomer Sooner. It's the University of Oklahoma, also known as OU. Still don't know why they do that, those old Big 8 schools. But we are talking about Lincoln Riley's football program, the future SEC member ranked number two entering the 2021 college football season. And here in this third hour of Talk With an Accent, On all things Southern, we're going to discuss the Sooners' great university, what the University of Oklahoma is all about here. We'll talk about it in Hour 3. We'll discuss some of the famous alumni of OU, and you know it. We're going to talk about the traditions of Sooner Nation. All that right here as we're on this 44-city tour. Today is our 41st city That we've gone to, and we only have 42, 43, three more left. I knew that. I could count that three. But we're seeing the end of the tunnel, and we're wrapping it up in a big way here this week. And OU is where we're telling you where we're going to be talking about today. Let's talk about the University of Oklahoma it is a public research university located in Norman. Norman is roughly 20 minutes south, maybe 30 if you're driving slow, south of Oklahoma City. The University of Oklahoma was launched in 1890 and it is a public flagship research university currently under the presidency of Joseph Haraz, Jr. The enrollment of OU is right around 30,000, a little less. They've got about 22,000 undergraduates and another 6,000 or so postgraduate students at this campus in Norman, Oklahoma. Of course, OU currently plays in the Big 12 Conference. They've already officially been accepted into the Southeastern Conference. It'll be a few years, but they will be part of the SEC before you know it the University of Oklahoma, with its very proud tradition and its very successful tradition. Part of the reason they're very proud, I I would have to say. How about some of the famous alumni of OU? And they have quite a list of people from all walks of business, science, education, athletes, and more. If you just look at, we'll say, let's start with, We'll start with law. There are so many great lawyers who've come out of the University of Oklahoma, including former OU law professor Anita Hill, the woman that accused Clarence Thomas of wrongdoing when he was trying to become a Supreme Court justice. Oklahoma has also had Noma Gurich, the justice of the Supreme Court of Oklahoma, go through its law school. So many politicians How about Tom Cole, congressman? How about, let's see, some other famous names. J.C. Watts, who actually played football for OU, a former congressman, was chairman of the House Republican Conference, got his degree back in 1981. What's happened to J.C. Watts? He used to be a darling on all the talk shows because he was a black Republican. And he has... Vanished, I think he has, the Eufaula, Oklahoma native, J.C. Watts. And he was part of that 1978 team that had Billy Sims, the Heisman Trophy winner, on it. Let me see if I can get an update since we are talking about alumni. I I was going to put him in the list of football greats. Let's see here. For most of 2016, J.C. Watts served as president and CEO of Feed the Children. In 2019, J.C. Watts began plans to start the Black News Channel. It launched in February of 2020 as a 24-hour news channel. So Black News Channel is a broadcast TV news channel based in Tallahassee, Florida. And that is a channel I'd never heard of. I've heard of the Black Information Network that started last year, and that's on a whole bunch of radio stations now. But J.C. Watts now doing this. I wonder if it's a conservative-type broadcast. One of his investors in this is Shahid Khan, owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's one of the key people of this Black News Channel. Never heard of it. Sorry, JC. And I try to keep up with media things. I guess I'm slipping on the job here. Let's talk about other famous Oklahoma alumni. They have as part of their list of great alumni, Air Force General Roger Brady. Also, the widow of Sam Walton. I would say this lady did pretty well. Helen Walton of Walmart fame. Then in terms of famous arts and entertainment alumni of the University of Oklahoma, you have Miss America 2006, Jennifer Berry. How about a lady who I haven't heard in a while, she never did quite make it in country music, but Kelly Coffee. I think her big song was When You Lie Next to Me. That's going way back for this fellow's memory, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that was her song. Also, you have, as part of Oklahoma, the I would say the most famous alum. I don't care. We can just end it right here. Do you know who graduated from the University of Oklahoma? I used to work with this guy's nephew, and his nephew was a University of Oklahoma alumnus. James Garner, the great actor, born James, James Scott Bumgarner, and Norman. Norman is his hometown. We lost James Garner back in 2014, but he, of course, studied at his hometown college, the University of Oklahoma. Also, let me give you one or two more from the world of entertainment and more who were Oklahoma alums. Hmm. This lady going back, way back, actress Meg Randall is an OU alum. And, let's see here. Okay. Former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, professional wrestler Brent Albright. Albright, rather. An OU alum. Okay, and then, of course, they've had a zillion athletes come out of Oklahoma. People from basketball players, Mookie Blaylock. They've had... Uh, I mean, Wayman Tisdale, I shouldn't leave him out. Great NBA player, great inspiration, OU alum. How about Spencer Tillman, great football player, was with the San Francisco 49ers when they won a Super Bowl. You have Trey Young right now in the NBA. Is an Oklahoma alumnus. Don't want to leave him out. Joe Simpson. You can tune in and hear him on Bally Sports calling the Atlanta Braves games. Former Oklahoma Sooner. Adrian Peterson. Currently with the Lions. Oklahoma Long. Of course, people like Heisman Trophy winners Baker Mayfield. So many. So many. Let's talk about The University of Oklahoma's game day traditions. If you go to a game in Oklahoma, you're going to hear Boomer and Sooner. Now, that is what they say in the crowd there. But also, that is the name of the mascots. They've got costume horses who wear jerseys, Boomer and Sooner. The seed sower is an Oklahoma tradition. It is near the edge of the South Oval on the main campus. The seed sower statue is one of the school's most recognizable symbols. It represents a parable told by the school's first president, David Ross Boyd, about a seed sower planting the seeds of knowledge, and that is one of the landmarks of the University of Oklahoma campus. Also is the stadium, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, also known as its original name was Owen Field or the Palace on the Prairie. It was built back in the early 1920s, named to honor the University of Oklahoma students who got killed fighting in World War I. Ultimately, the Gaylord family, which made a fortune with its newspaper in Oklahoma City, and then went on to start places like Opryland in Nashville, and once owned the Nashville Network and CMT the Gaylord family contributed millions to the athletic program and the school through the years, so therefore that's why their name is attached to the football stadium on the OU campus. Now, at Oklahoma, we played it starting the segment. I'll play it as we go to break here. There are two songs that the Pride of Oklahoma marching band regularly play. The fight song, Boomer Sooner, was borrowed from Yale's Bula Bula, some of the lyrics in Boomer Center inspired by the University of North Carolina's I'm a Tar Hill Born. Did not know that. Catchy tune when you hear Boomer Center the fight song. How about the colors? The colors of the University of Oklahoma also is part of the tradition. Crimson and cream. And then you got the nickname. Of course, the state is called the Sooner State, but the name Sooners, a reference to a nickname given to the early participants in the land run of 1889, and that initially opened the unassigned lands and the future state of Oklahoma to non-native settlement. This was Indian territory for most of the 1870s, going back to the Civil War time period, and the natives, the five organized tribes, still a major part of the state of Oklahoma's history, tradition, and more. I'd love to have somebody come on here who is a Okie tell me more about how it all kind of breaks down. It's a little confusing if you don't live in Oklahoma how these areas are on a map that show that they're Cherokee or Chickasaw or Choctaw or whatever the other two are. Uh, If you're not there, it's a a bit confusing, I must say. But, of course, one of the traditions Oklahoma is known for is (laughs) great success. I mean, this is one of college football's dynasties. And they have been a dynasty through various eras of their history. They have dominated football so many times, in so many ways. How about Bud Wilkinson, the job he did? As Oklahoma had that incredible winning streak, he had winning streaks of 31 and 47 games at one point, and he had a winning percentage. Bud Wilkinson did at one time. His winning percentage was over 90%. He left after the 1963 season with a record of 145-29-4. Pretty amazing stuff. And then, of course, Barry Switzer comes in, 1973, coaches all the way until his buddy with the Cowboys takes over that franchise and brings him to Big D to coach Dallas and wins a Super Bowl with him, ultimately. And then Bob Stoops. He got his national championship in the year 2000. It has been a while since Oklahoma's been on the mountaintop of college football. But this year they start at number two. And this year the opening opponent is the two lane green wave. Two lane rolls in, roll wave, the roll wave caravan rolls in to the stadium there. Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium for that game on Saturday. It's a game you can all tune in and see as ABC is carrying it live. You are looking at the University of Oklahoma. And it will be live on ABC at 12 noon, 11 central, 11 o'clock Norman time for the 2021 season opener featuring Lincoln Riley's Crimson and Cream, Spencer Rattler quarterbacking oklahoma sooners college football is here and it's a glorious thing (laughs) when the y'all show comes right back melissa rhodes has a southern accent on arts and entertainment right now it's more boomer sooner
3: Southern accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Legendary saxophonist and composer John Coltrane grew up in High Point, North Carolina in the 1930s. His Piedmont hometown commemorates the late legend this Labor Day weekend with the 10th John Coltrane International Jazz and Blues Festival. Quite a lineup's on tap in High Point. Grammy-winning trumpeter Chris Bodie, saxophonist Marcus Anderson, singer Kenny Lattimore, bassist Julian Vaughn, New Orleans live energy show act Galactic, 2021 Grammy winner for best male jazz vocal Kurt Elling, Mississippi Delta Blues sensation Kingfish, and a lot more. Visitors to the John Coltrane International Jazz and Blues Festival can also check out the 8-foot tall bronze statue of John Coltrane on display at Coltrane Plaza in downtown High Point entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com all All
0: right how about that did you realize that high point north carolina the hometown of john coltrane what a saxophone stud y'all we got one little bitty tiny segment left here as we wrap up this tuesday program all about dixie that's coming up don't go anywhere Oh, Mary Chapin Carpenter, come back to me, please. I don't know if you're a local PBS affiliate, and I hate to admit right here on the y'all show, I actually watch PBS. (laughs) I don't really, but I just happened to be flipping through, and I think it was on Saturday on my local PBS affiliate. There was some kind of special Mary Chapin Carpenter fundraising type deal the kind of things they do on pbs and she was there all alone for at least an hour playing some of her great songs from the 1990s and i guess i was so caught up with something else that i didn't watch it but that's why i'm saying mary chapin come back to me or if you really know her it's just chapin and boy she had some great songs that's one of her songs On the Columbia Records imprint, I Want to Be Your Girlfriend. I think she is a Northern Virginia resident. She never was around Nashville all that much, even though she had a Nashville-based record label. Okay, you probably are tired of hearing me talk about news and entertainment news and washed-up country music singers. But, now Mary Chapin, you can't say she's washed up. She's just so good how cool is that song how cool is that sound
3: I just keep on hoping that you're gonna
0: see. yeah I all right we got just a handful of seconds left here on our little show about the southeast powered by y'all.com please again help me out go to y'all.com bookmark it we're continuing to add so many great articles up all the time and if you let me just go ahead and make a, a plea if you fancy yourself as a pretty good writer or at least coherent enough to be somewhat of a good writer hey drop me a note there there's a tab at the top of yall.com how you can submit articles and we have a whole set of guidelines but sure enough you can if, if, if you pass our intense board of review you can have your own work added to yall.com. allcom so We're trying, and of course, your voice is always welcome right here at the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com. And to do that, you just got to text us, 803-816-1170. Pretty easy way to stay in touch with all things Southern here on Talk with an Accent on the South. We've got a busy Wednesday Y'all Show coming your way. Mississippi State, the Bulldogs. hell, dear old state. That is our featured school Our 42nd stop on our 44 city tour, getting you ready for the start of college football. We'll have that plus all of the other entertainment, sports, and news headlines of the day. Thank you for listening to The Y'all Show.